What's up, everybody? This is Coach Aaron Saft from the Running is Life podcast. Today's guest is CEO of the New York Roadrunners, Rob Semelker. <clears throat> Rob is such an interesting person. He has so much experience and has done so many things. Uh, this wraps up his first year of being the CEO of the New York Roadrunners. And man, they do so much. And that's what we're going to talk about is uh, you know, what does that look like? What does the life of a CEO of the New York Roadrunners look like? You know, from the New York City Marathon to their um, their kids programs, um, it's just inclusion. We have a great conversation here and talk about the good work of the New York Roadrunners. Uh, having grown up in New York, I was around um, the New York City Marathon um, watching every race day on my local channels. It was uh, just a seminal part of my youth, uh, something that I hope to be a part of someday and run the marathon. And I really want to thank Rob for his time and for coming on the podcast. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Rob Semelcare. Well, Rob Semelcare is here with me. Uh, day after Christmas, Rob, I appreciate you uh, coming on after the Christmas hangover uh, that I'm sure we both are suffering from. <laughs> uh, it's great to see you, man. Aaron, thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is probably like the only even mildly productive thing I'll do today. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm getting something done. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Yes, I, I plan on getting a run in. Maybe that's uh Oh, yeah, I should but... aspire to that. I should aspire to that. Maybe that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> After all the food I ate yesterday, that would probably be smart. <laughs> uh, yes, right. Oh, it's, it's really cool. Um, Rob and I actually met at my brother's wedding in Italy. Under you know the craziest of circumstances, my brother says the CEO of New York Roadrunners is here, and I said, "What?" <laughs> I said, <"Whoa, laughs> "Why is he here?" <laughs> so um, we got to meet at my my brother's wedding, which was fantastic, um, and uh, and we decided we want to kind of you know, go through some things to talk about because Rob has a, a new podcast of his own, which we're going to talk about. But um, Rob, let's just start out um, as we should and kind of introduce you, your background, because you have a fascinating background. I was I was reading up on some of the things you've done and wow, it, you have had a cool life, my friend. Um, so take us back. Um, did Rob start running uh, at a younger age? When when did running come in? Talk about I mean, we have a million things we can talk about. So but the stars off. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. You're you're very kind. Uh, I've I've had a fun time. Um, when it comes to running, I started in middle school. Um, I wasn't serious about it really then. I mean, I arguably was never like really serious from a competitive point of view as a runner. But I ran in middle school. You know, it was kind of a typical story. You know, gym class, go run the mile, <laughs> and I and I ran the mile, and I was the fastest in my class what was, you know, admittedly not a super fast class, but I ran it in, I don't know, maybe around six minutes, something like that, which was a decent time. Yeah. And, you know, and I was encouraged to keep running and, you know, I was obsessed with baseball. That, okay. that was my sport as a kid. Yeah. Um, always obsessed with baseball, still love baseball. So nothing was ever going to get in the way of baseball for me, but it was something I could do in addition to baseball, it was a good thing to do on the side. Yeah. As a baseball player, I was very into running. You know, I played center field and batted lead off and stole a lot of bases. So like running was kind of my game in baseball, but running very short distances. But I, I got into running cross country in high school. So, you know, since baseball was a spring sport, I wasn't going to do track and field, but cross country was available. And so I started running cross country as a freshman in high school and you know, had kind of a love-hate relationship with it, as a lot of people do with cross-country, right? It's a 
<laughs> it's a really demanding sport, um, yeah. really intense. I ran in, um, th- this was in New York City where I grew up. Okay. My high school was right up the hill from Van Cortland Park. Yeah, sure. Which is, you know, one of the meccas of cross country yeah. running Absolutely. in the United States. Great course, famous course. Um, we actually run some races at New York Roadrunners on that course now. Nice. So I had a chance to run there and, you know, yeah, like it was just the thing I did while I was getting ready for baseball season. Yeah. And I loved it. Now I went on to college and law school and didn't really think a whole lot about running until my third year of law school uh, in, I was in, in, at Harvard in Cambridge right. and I went over to Boston to watch the Red Sox game okay. the day of uh, what's called Patriots Day in Massachusetts, which is a state holiday. That's also the day of the Boston Marathon. Absolutely. And I walked outside the Red Sox game and said, oh yeah, the marathon's finishing. Let's check it out and watch the finish of the Boston Marathon. This was in 1997 to date okay. myself a little bit. <laughs> and I saw that and I said, wow, that's cool. I really want to do that. I really want to have that experience. Yeah. And the very next week, I sent in for an application to get into the New York Marathon. And I was lucky enough to get in on my first try. Nice. This was like back in the days of mailing in paper applications. Right. And I ended up running the marathon uh, a few months after I took the bar exam. Um, oh, so uh, that was really where my adult running life really kind of kicked in. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been running ever since. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, um, are you a Yankees fan, Mets fan? I am a Mets fan, Mets fan. Uh, which will tell you something about my perseverance. Um, <laughs> although, you know, nothing compared to what Red Sox fans went through for a century or so. Yes. But yeah, I'm a Mets yes. fan. It was a huge, you know, yeah, still I'm a huge Mets fan and baseball guy in general. And yeah, there's always been kind of that connection for me between, you know, baseball and running and uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's, but what's great about running is you don't need 17 other guys, you know, <laughs> right, you, just, right. you just say, all right, I'm doing yep. it. And you go and you run and yeah. there you go. So it's, yep. it's really, really good. Yeah. It's been great. Uh, for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, fortunate for you. Cause, um, I went and I ran Boston, I think it was 2000, maybe it was 2007. I raced and I got finished and I had to take the, the, the T to, <laughs> to connect to somewhere else. And the Red Sox game just let out and they had just beat the Yankees <laughs> and I'm a Yankees fan <laughs> and they were chanting on the subway. The Yankees suck. I was in my own personal hell. <laughs> I just finished the Boston marathon being surrounded by Red Sox fans and them chanting against my team. So it was it was quite the experience. Yeah, um, that's kind of the thing they Boston. do in Boston. That's one of the <laughs> things that makes the Boston Marathon a fun day. They always have that 11 a.m. Red Sox game. Yep. Uh, the only game in baseball that starts in the morning, <laughs> local time. And it, it, they all let out and go watch the marathon. So it's a special day in Boston. Uh, yes. Uh, but we grew up uh, going to Shea Stadium, going to Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium. Um, we've, we've gone to the new Yankee Stadium. I haven't made it to the is it City Field. Is it City Field? Now? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, we haven't made it to a City Field game yet. Um, it's great. You got to yeah. check it out. It's a fantastic yeah, stadium. Definitely. But um, that's fantastic. Did you get to run in Bear Mountain at all um, growing up? Did you guys ever venture out that way? I've gone on hikes up in Bear Mountain. I've okay. never really gone there specifically to run, um, gotcha. yeah. but it's a beautiful area. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Bergen County, New Jersey, so not too far from there. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a great area. That's where our high school uh, we raced at Bear Mountain a ton, um, and then yeah, we'd go down to um, Van Cortland for the Manhattan Invite um, Foot Lockers. The the regional meet was there. Um, so and uh, USATF, I think it was either USATF or I can't remember if it was uh aau had um had meets at at um 
Van Cortland as, as kind of regional qualifiers. So, um, definitely got to run some of the same places you did, <laughs> which is cool. Very yeah. cool. Um, so yeah, so your, your, um, um, your education took you to Dartmouth for undergrad, um, where you majored in what? I was a government major. Okay. Um, Dartmouth has this thing called modified major. So you can kind of put two together without double majoring. So I was a government philosophy major. So like political philosophy, a basic, yeah. basically, okay. um, which is, you know, politics and government's always been an area of interest for me. And I guess that's part of what led me to go into law school. Mm. And and then law school at Harvard, um, which has an amazing track now, the indoor track facility. Um, and then... Um, after Harvard, it looked like you practiced law for a few years. Yeah. And then, did. then you transitioned to journalism. Yeah. Yeah. I mostly transitioned. Um, you know, I loved sports. My love of sports never really left me. And so I, after a couple of years of practicing law at big New York firms, I was kind of underwhelmed by that experience and wanted to get back to something I loved. And I had been an intern at, yes, at uh, CBS Sports when I was in college and okay. a guy I worked for there had gone on to ESPN as a senior executive and he and I kept in touch and he actually ended up hiring me. So I went over wow. to ESPN on the business side primarily. Okay. Um, and I worked there for almost 10 years. What was unusual for me is that I got a chance during that time to also do some journalistic stuff. So I was kind of an unusual person. I was on the air and an executive at the same time, both there and then later at NBC Sports. Um, and that, that is a very rare in the media business and I was fortunate to do it. So, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the reasons I like uh, talking in front of microphones. <laughs> that's fantastic. So sometime, um, I saw NBC sports, um, and was it, uh, uh, ABC news as well. So you had, you know, quite the experience, um, within the, the journalism world, which is incredible, uh, was, and it, was it both sides with all channels, executive end on the mic pretty much from the entire from the from the time i was at espn through abc through ESP, through um nbc i was mostly doing both there was a stretch when i was at abc news exclusively doing on-air stuff for about a year and a half which was incredible uh, and I, I loved it i love the news business i love journalism i i had a tough choice whether to stay specifically and only in that area mm -hmm. or to go back and and I have both sides, uh, you know, and I, I, I chose the latter, but, um, you know, I've, I've stayed close to a lot of people in the news business. I had some very um, formative experiences while I was doing that. And I just have a ton of respect for journalists. I know the media gets a bad rap a lot of the time, but, you know, I think there are a lot of really hardworking people who do, you know, really great and sometimes really difficult work yeah. as journalists. Right. Absolutely. Um and I saw something about the tennis channel as well. Is that you had a, <laughs> a role in the tennis channel? I did. Now, tennis <laughs> has always been kind of my other favorite sport. You know, baseball, tennis, running; those are kind of my trifecta. And I left NBC uh, after eight years there in 2019 and spent a couple, about a year and a half, as an on-air announcer for Tennis Channel. Um, wow. So I, I got a chance to do some really cool things and got to meet some some legends of the sport. You know, Tracy yeah. Austin and. Martina Navratilova and Andy Roddick and some wow. people who are, you know, were heroes of mine just as sure. tennis players. So I, I yeah. had a, I had an amazing experience there as well. That was really the last thing I did before joining New York Roadrunners. Okay. Which you joined in December of 2022. So it's, it's been a year for you as CEO. 
Um, what, how did you land that? <laughs> what, what, what transitioned you there? Yeah. You know, I had known the organization as a runner. I'd run the marathon in, uh, in New York in 1997. And then again, 16 years later in 2013. So I knew the organization. I'm a native New Yorker. The org had been through some ups and downs. They had had some management changes, some difficult periods of time. You know, the pandemic really hit them hard mm -hmm. as it did so many organizations because they had to cancel the marathon in 2020 and then run a kind of a half full version of it in 2021. So it really decimated the organization. They had a tremendous number of layoffs and furloughs and things like that. They had had an interim CEO from 2020 uh, until 2022. And they started a search for a new CEO in the summer, I believe it was, of 2022. And a search firm that they'd hired to do the search uh, reached out to me. I knew some folks there from my days in the sports media business, and they thought I'd be an interesting candidate for it. And you know, I knew and loved the organization and and loved the sport. So I said, yeah, you know what? That could be a cool thing to explore. And so we started talking in the summer of 2022. I met with the recruiting firm. I met with the board committee that was doing the search, met with the board, and it uh, it all came to fruition in the fall of 2022. That's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, now, <laughs> New York Roadrunners is a nonprofit, yes. Yes, yes. It's a not-for-profit. It was founded in the late 1950s, actually. So it's yeah. been around for quite a long time. By Ted Corbett, who- You got it. If you, you know anything it. about ultra marathons, there's our connection right there. <laughs> Ted Corbett, what a uh, man, amazing man. Um, Incredible. And yeah. and like a founding father of distance running, the first African-American ever to um, to run in the Olympic marathon, um, you know, for representing the United States. And yeah, he just had this idea to create a running community in New York and it, it grew over years. And then the organization really kind of hit a new level when they when they launched the New York City Marathon in the early 70s. Which is incredible. It's grown to the largest marathon in the world, I believe, right? Yes, yes. I mean, incredible. you know, this year we had 51,000. So it's, you know, it started out with humble roots, just running four laps around the loop in Central Park. And then in 1976, they had the big idea, which was to turn it into a five borough marathon starting in Staten Island. And everybody knows the the whole deal, you know, over the Verrazano Bridge and through Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, the Bronx, back to Manhattan. So it's a, it's a special organization. You know, I consider it kind of a, a, an institution in New York because it's, it's so many people have, have touched New York Roadrunners in some way, um, not just the marathon, but the other 30-something adult races we put on every year or the dozens and dozens of youth races. It's a big part of the fabric of the city. So I'm I'm very, very proud to be a part of it. I want to touch more on the marathon for sure. Um, but you know, just to finalize one thought on Ted Corbett, um, the Ultra Running Marathon uh, podcast, he does a fantastic job of doing a deep dive into Ted Corbett. Um, I will try to put some links in the show notes for, for that because Ted is definitely worth learning more about he did some amazing things you know not only organizing the new york roadrunners club but also in his his professional life as you were just describing so um, yeah and actually aaron on um on our podcast set the pace we did an interview with gary corbett ted's son 
um, just a few weeks ago. We have an annual 15K race in New York called the, the Ted Corbett 15K. Okay. And Gary comes up for that every year. And so, yeah, we the week leading into that in, in December of 23, we did a, a nice episode with Gary uh, talking about his father's legacy and you know all, all the all the things people should know and um, there's a there's a great exhibit also right now in New York at the New York Historical Society that focuses on Ted Corbett and a guy named Joe Yancey who created uh, the New York Pioneers Running Club, cool. um, which was kind of a predecessor to New York Roadrunners. Wow, uh, I'll put the the link in the show notes as well for from the the um, set the pace podcast for that because that's I mean you know like I said people should learn more about Ted and the history there which is incredible. Um, another person that comes to mind when you speak about the, you know, not only the New York road runners, but also about the marathon is Fred LeBeau. Um, and did you ever get to meet Fred? I did not. Um, he passed away from cancer, um, some time ago. I, you know, he was yeah. still around, uh, you know, for a period, but no, I, I never had a chance to meet him. I have met some of his, his, um, family members. Mm -hmm. I met his, I've talked to his sister a woman named Sarah Katz. And I've also met some, some, um, you know, grand nieces of, of his as well. So I've, I've met some family members, but I have not met Fred. He was very charismatic. Um, I had the opportunity to meet him. We hosted a 10 K in my hometown, which was in orange County, New York, uh, called, called the orange classic 10 K. Um, and Fred came up and ran and I got to, to meet him and talk to him. And, uh, he did a pre-race talk and uh, man, it was just what a, what a privilege. I was just, I think in high school at the time when he came, uh, but uh, you know, the influence was, was huge. And then, um, you know, we, uh, in 2016, uh, I did the, uh, the cover search for runner's world and I got, was a top five finalist <laughs> and we got to go run in central park and I got to see his, his statue and in, in central park, which was super cool. He's been super influential, but, um, you know, just what I, he helped that race grow as well. The, the marathon, um, as the CEO, what role do you play for the marathon? So I really play a role that is overseeing all the operations of New York Roadrunners, including the marathon. We have a phenomenal race director named Ted Metellus, who is the race director of the TCS New York City Marathon. So Ted and his team are really kind of the the operators of it. You know, mm -hmm. they they do the the heavy lifting from course management to you know everything else that goes into putting the race on. Yeah. But every single part of New York Roadrunners as an organization is involved with the marathon. And so, you know, we have a runner services department that handles, you know, giving out the bibs and, you know, all the issues around the runners. We have, you know, all kinds of groups from our charity group that works with the hundreds of charities that raise money on the marathon to our our international tour operators that brings over 10,000 runners to the United States to run the marathon um, to, I mean, you, you name it, every single part of our organization touches the marathon in some way. We have 250 full-time employees and they're all working on the marathon in some way. Yeah. And, you know, I, I run that entire organization. So every single group and kind of coordinating all of that, making sure they're all working together. <laughs> and, and then also Aaron, a lot of it is, you know, setting strategic priorities for what we want the marathon to be in a year or two years or three years, we're always yeah. thinking way ahead about what we want the marathon to become. That's incredible. Gosh. I mean, it's such an undertaking that the marathon, and that's not your only race. Like as you were mentioning earlier, you guys have, I mean, a full race calendar, which is incredible. 
Um, and I imagine it, there's various race directors as well for, you know, throughout the year, not just uh, for New York. I mean, so you have to coordinate with <laughs> a, a, a slew of people, excuse me, <laughs> just getting over pneumonia. Yeah. I mean, we have, you know, Ted is, 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 is he's uh, over our events department okay. and that department has, you know, a lot of people, over a hundred <laughs> people just in that department. And each of our races will have what we call an event lead. Okay. So, you know, the Ted Corbett 15K will have a lead and the the Fred LeBeau half marathon coming, coming up in January will have a lead. So the lead kind of bounces around and they're kind of the mini race director for that particular race. Yep. But ultimately it all flows up to Ted and then and then to me at the oh, end of the day. But, you know, yes, we have over 30 races a year on the adult side, over 40 youth races. A lot of the time those are side by side. Yeah. So we almost never have more than a couple of weeks without putting on a race, you know, somewhere in New York City. That's insane. I mean, gosh, uh, I used to race direct as well, but I did like one a month, you know, and sometimes I'd have like little 5Ks and such. But man, I can't imagine this, The especially even the marathon. That's just, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. I can't think of the logistics. It's just a mind boggling. That's incredible. It's um, like a military operation. I, honestly, I think, you know, someone like Ted, uh, he could probably run a small army, you know, with what he knows from a logistics point of view. You know, there's just so much that goes into it. You know, the starting area of the TCS New York City Marathon is like a, a camp, basically. I mean, we got we bring 50,000 plus people. Oh, wow. Those are the runners, not to mention thousands of volunteers and staff, right. part-time and full-time staff out to Staten Island. The transportation element of it is a huge job. You know, then, the, you know, the, the volunteer coordination, getting all the volunteers into the right places, the water stations all along the course. Our coordination with city agencies in New York is huge. You know, right, the New York right. Police Department at, at the top of the list, but then Department of Transportation, everything else. It, it, this was my first year, 2023, seeing it from the seat of CEO. Right. And I, I just, my, my, my eyes were just wide open the entire time, blown away <laughs> by how many people it takes to put on the TCS New York City Marathon. You can't imagine. You can't imagine. I mean, you know, when you watch on TV, you can see all the, the barricades along the course and the police escorts and then you know, police at all the intersections. It's just such an undertaking, which is, I mean, just incredible. Uh, I am just in awe. <laughs> um, the the New York Roadrunners, um, they also have uh, a mission uh, of, of getting people involved and active. Um, talk about some of those outreach programs. Yeah. So our mission at New York Road Runners is to help and inspire people through running. And everyone knows us for the marathon and the races. But a huge part of what we do, Aaron, to your point is, you know, get kids and adults and older people active in some way or another. So it really starts with our youth program, which is called Rising New York Road Runners. Uh, that program operates in hundreds of schools um, in New York City and also around the country as well. We have over 60,000 kids uh, in that program in New York, and then over a hundred thousand nationally. And it starts at the elementary school level. We have developed a curriculum that we provide for teachers and coaches to use to get kids active at a young age. Right. And it's not yep. all about running in kindergarten or first grade or whatever. It's just about movement. Yep. And as they get a little bit older, you know, it starts to pivot a little bit more toward running. 
Um, and then that program is coupled with uh, a, a huge amount of, of, of youth running events that we put on primarily in, in New York City. So a lot of our adult races will have a kids race happening right on the side of that, either, before, you know, usually right after the adult race kind of wraps up. We have three stages that we call them. One is for the youngest kids, which is usually, you know, a few hundred meters, kind of a sprint. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have stage two and stage three, which are longer distances. Stage two is kind of non-competitive, uh, t- not really timed. Stage three is competitive, right? Where the kids mm-hmm. are running and we're timing them. They get chips and they're they're getting results, right? So yeah. that is happening alongside a lot of our races. Um, we launched some new youth-only events this year. Then in addition to that, we have so many other things that go on. We have something called Open Run, which is a free weekly running program in New York City parks that cool. just take place where you just show up. You know, yeah. you show up and you run or walk or whatever with and, and those are run by volunteers. You get a you get a kind of an unofficial time, but it's like a park yeah. run yeah. set up where you just right. come out, and just, you meet other people and you run or walk That's or awesome. run walk with them. We have uh, a program called uh, uh, um, Striders, which is for older adults, which is okay. more more focused on walking, but they they do some running as well. Um, we have a, a wheelchair youth training program as well for you know kids who uh, want to learn how to wheelchair race, Sweet. who are you know have disabilities of various kinds. So it, it's there's just so much we do, and we're looking to expand into even more over the next couple of years. Um, I'm really interested in more at the middle school level. Cause we have a lot of kids who maybe start with us as kids, but then as they get into those middle school years, which are crucial for developing into a runner, right? Yep. I want to make sure we're giving those kids a chance to start really learning how to run so that when they get to high school, they have some experience and they're, they're interested hopefully in joining their cross country team or their That's track awesome. team. So it's uh, it, there's just more to it than I can even <laughs> summarize, frankly, but it's, a, it's, so cool. a, it's a lot of work. We have a whole community impact group that focuses on all these programs. Do you still have the the race team as well? Um, I remember uh, when I was growing up, I, you know, I'd, I'd watch Milrose games and there'd be the NYRR um, singlet runners. And, you know, it was kind of a, uh, I would, I mean, not for lack of a better term, elite team, you know, um, of racers. Do you guys still have that branch? As we well? kind of pivoted away from, the club side of it. So okay. we, we don't really have a club anymore and, and clubs no longer part of the organization's name. Gotcha. We are more like a meeting place for clubs. So we have hundreds of clubs that associate with New York road runners. They're on our website. People can find them through us. Cool. And we have a club point series during the course of the year where all the different clubs compete for points at all of our races uh, all year long. There's really a specific set of them that we pick every year, about a dozen races that count for club points. And at the end of every year, we give out prizes for the clubs that won the most points or the runners who did the best at our races. So we're more of a convener of clubs now than a club (laughs) itself. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And you you have a physical location as well. It's like an athletic club, yeah? Well, we have our offices in Midtown, and then we have something called the the New York Roadrunners Run Center, Yep. Um, which features uh, New Balance as well. So we have that's the place where people come to pick up their bibs for our weekly races, mm-hmm. week in and week out. A lot of our history is displayed there. Um, we have a lot of um, meetups there. There's lockers and people will sh- will show up there to meet up with either our group training classes, uh, which we offer all year round, or other clubs will sometimes use it as a point just to meet. 
Um, and then there's also a new balance retail location in there as well. So yeah, there's a lot that goes on. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. And what does your running look like of late? Because I know you had to be, I, I was watching your social media and it was just, you were so you know thrown into the the marathon. <laughs> how does, uh, how does your running play a part? Yeah. You know, people ask me all the time, oh, do you run the marathon every year? Are you going to run it every year? And I'm, I'm like, actually, that's probably the single last race I would possibly run now is the New York marathon because there's so much going on. But I did run a lot this year. I ran, I think by the end of the year, I'm up to about 11 races that I ran. Right. On. Um, so I, I 11 or 12 or so. So I, I, I do jump into a lot of our races. The ones that are shorter and that don't involve as much in terms of obligations to do media sure. or other things during the course of the day, those are yeah. the ones I can jump into. <laughs> so I think I ran probably five or so four mile races. We have a lot of four mile races because yeah. of the way central park is configured. Um, a couple of five K's, a couple of 10 K's, 10 K is probably my favorite distance. To be honest, I love the 10 K distance because I can kind of run fast a little bit. <laughs> and then I ran um, the Ted Corbett 15 K and I ran one half marathon. I ran the Staten Island half Right in October, which was a lot of fun. So yeah, I got, I got my fair share of running in. And I also go to our group training classes. We have group training, which is a paid product for people in Central Park or Prospect Park. And I have a, an apartment in the city that's not far from where they do it in Central Park. So I'll show up, you know, once in a while at 630 in the morning, meet that group and go for group training runs, which I tell you has made me a lot stronger. And I, my times have been pretty decent for someone who hadn't really been like focusing on times. I've been pretty happy with the way I've been running as well. <laughs> awesome. For me. Yeah. 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 Um, any, any aspirations of, of dipping your toe into the ultra world? <laughs> I'm going to say no on that. Like, I, I know, I know it well. We get the question a lot, whether we might bring back a, a, a super long race and, you know, we're not really looking to do that despite Ted Corbett's legacy in that ultra running world. It's that's just a lot. I, I, you know, I was training Aaron for the Chicago marathon this past year. I had aspirations of running that. And in the middle of the summer, my knee just started to act up on me. So I said, oh. you know what, let me, let me do some halves and see how that feels. <laughs> I, I, I am tempted to try to get back up to the marathon distance again in 2023, but okay. It's the time, Aaron. I just, it's so much time <laughs> nah. to train. You know, I, I don't know. I Not don't much know. more than a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. I mean, you, yeah, just you could do 26.3, right? That would be that's, technically an ultra. Does that count as an ultra? That counts as an ultra. Anything oh, over a marathon. Okay. Well, I guess I could get credit that way. I, I, could, I could do that. I could just keep running. <laughs> just running keep running a little the next bit. Day. There you go. Yeah, through there a couple you, of blocks. You've that. done an ultra. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like that. That's, that's something I could get behind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I knew that I had a kindred spirit when I saw you at Amalfi and you were running on that crazy road. <laughs> that, that that was nuts. So I see this orange shirt, which, you know, I, I grab my eye and uh, I see NYRR and I'm like, what? I was like, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> gosh, I mean, he has to be used to running through, you know, some crazy traffic and, and be okay. Cause Amalfi was just, that was you put your life on the line when you were running on that road, that's for sure. It was but. beautiful. The views were spectacular running on the Amalfi Coast. But yeah, there's just no space. I mean, nope. I'm constantly like looking out to see, you know, if something's going to hit me. And if, right. if you get a hit, you're uh, going over a guardrail oh and probably yeah. down like 500 oh, feet. Yeah, yes. it, was, it was a hairy oh, run. It was, but it was It was worth it for the views. It was yes. really spectacular. It was. It was. Absolutely. I, I was... 
uh, they had a treadmill at the villa where we were and um, I kept overheating it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm looking out at the Mediterranean. It's you know beautiful with all these boats passing by. What you know, beautiful run just for a treadmill, right? Uh, and then the thing would overheat and I'd have to, you know, just hop on that road and finish up my run. I was like, oh, my God, I put my life on line every step here. Uh, but what a, I mean, that was quite the experience. But yeah, uh, it was beautiful. Absolutely. Um, what's what's been your favorite uh, running adventure? It can be, you know, somewhere you've gone to run or a race that you've done. What's been your favorite? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of my favorite place to run. I mean, when I was training for my first marathon. And again, I've only run two, so not like I've run 20, but the year I was training was the year I was taking the bar exam in 1997. Okay. And my family, we took a, we took a safari that year. We took a trip wow. to South Africa and we went to Cape town and oh Johannesburg. God. And then we went on a safari in, um, in Pretoria in that area. It's called Kruger national okay. park in South Africa. And I think some of the best runs I ever went on were on that trip because I just felt like I had to run. I was training for a marathon. I ran some beautiful runs in Cape Town, you know, just spectacular views of Table Mountain and all of that. Oh, wow. And then I remember we, when we got to the safari, I remember asking the folks, like, where is it safe for me to run? Like, is there is there a place I could run that I don't need to worry about, like, a lion or something, like, chasing me down? And they were like, eh. They were like, okay, if you go here, like they give me, they kind of rode me, drove me out to the spot. They were like, yeah, this is kind of outside the reserve. You know, you should be pretty good here unless like an animal got out of the reserve, which is rare. So you should be good there. Wow. <laughs> just just pick your time, right? And so I, I went out and did some runs, you know, in, in an area where it wasn't inconceivable that like some wild animal of prey might find me, but there were other people right. running. So I felt safe enough. Yep. And that, that was special for me because it's the only time I ever, been to the continent of Africa yeah, and cool. just running in Africa just had an amazing yeah. feel to it, you know, and, and just knowing how much running is a part of that culture. You know, I wasn't in yeah. Kenya or Ethiopia where I, where I aspire to go someday, but sure. um, that was really cool. So yeah, I would say those are, those are some of the, the most memorable runs I've been on. That's fantastic. Oh, I love that. Love that. Um, one of the big topics these days and this, you know, when I, I, I stopped race directing um, after COVID, but um, we were a nonprofit that put on a hundred mile race. And one of the big conversations was diversity and diversity in our sport um, through the New York Roadrunners. What are things that you guys work on or aspire to in, in that category of, of trying to in, be inclusive? Yeah, it's really important, Aaron. Thank you for asking that. We have an entire department in our organization that is focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, sustainability. And we really want to make our races look as much like the communities that we're running in as possible. And in New York, that means being quite diverse. Sure. And we're not there yet, but we've taken, we certainly have made some strides. Um, working with a lot of the run clubs that are focused on BIPOC populations, making sure that they are, you know, know how to get into races that we're, you know, giving them opportunities to get bibs into our races and, um, you know, being very um, inclusiveness minded in the way that we communicate, the way that we um, talk about running and our social media and that we present 
running in our in our races from our our one mile race on Fifth Avenue all the way up to the marathon as being a place for everyone. That's a big part of it. So you know, I think the organization has done a good job in terms of you know presenting running as something that's for everyone. Mm. But it it has to be quite an intentional process to actually make our races more diverse. And that's something that we're working on. We just had actually a, a, a day and a half, you know, uninterrupted meetings in our offices with a number of leaders in this area of diversifying the sport of running. Um, Allison Mariella Desir, who is an incredible person and a friend of mine who wrote a great book called Running While Black. Um, she is a real champion of diversity in this area. And she and a number of others... Oh, she's amazing. Great person to have on your podcast sometime to talk about, you know, diversifying the sport and how, you know, her process of finding the sport, um, she, she's discovered it and, you know, it helped her with her mental health. She was struggling with mental health issues and started running and just was running into these issues of, you know, feeling like she didn't see enough people of color running with her, didn't always feel welcomed and really became a champion for diversity in the sport of running. So she and a number of others came to our office and, we're really working on how to take it to a next level now of, you know, getting our races everywhere, you know, our, our New York races, the races of the other Abbott world marathon majors, which is, a, I sit on that board of this, you know, the six oh, wow. majors around Thanks. the world and mm -hmm. figuring out how to, how to make this a thing everywhere. Um, yeah. So that running and running marathons and ultra marathons in particular is not, you know, so much the province of, uh, you know, let's call it uh, a, a generation of, you know, more Caucasian, you know, or men as it was and, and making it more reflective of all the, all the places where runners could possibly come from. That's amazing. Awesome. Um, one of the other pieces that always comes along with that and is always part of the conversation is the financial piece of it, right? It's, it can be very inaccessible to people because of, of cost. Um, do you have, do you do anything scholarships or, or discounts is how does that come into play? So in New York, we have a race free program, um, which we've just actually relaunched this year to make it more accessible to people. It was, it was a little bit tricky to figure out before we simplified it a little bit, um, marketed it in a, in a new way. And we actually saw great success. We had a pretty quick, maybe in a way too quick sellout of all of our free race bibs for, the year. So we've got a lot of people who are taking advantage of that program. Awesome. Um, looking to expand that even more to make it more accessible, you know, to put more bibs out there available for people to run in our short races all the way up to the marathon. Um, but that is a that is a big focus. We know that there's an economic barrier to, you know, getting folks out there and, and running and training as well. Um, so more to come on that. But yeah, awesome. that's definitely been a focus. New York, the marathon was probably one of the first races that I ever watched in which, um, you know, the athletes with disabilities and, you know, back then we called it the wheelchair division. Um, they were prominent in the television broadcast of the race. Um, you guys as an organization, I feel like have put that at the forefront. And every time I watch it now, there is still great coverage. Can you talk about the emphasis you place on the athletes with disabilities? It's a big part of our of our races. It's a big part of our brand. It's a huge part of the marathon. If you watch the marathon broadcast, the wheelchair athletes are the first ones to go out. Um, and we celebrate those champions right alongside 
you know, the, the, the runners who, who finishes well, we had great champions this year, Catherine De Bruner, Marcel Hugue, uh, winning our race, um, course records were set. It was a really special day. And yeah, our coverage focuses on them a lot, um, because they're incredible athletes and they do a phenomenal job in representing that part of our sport. So we're, we're very proud to have been a leader in that area and want to continue to, to grow that. And we have also, you know, that's the pro athlete side. We also have an incredible you know, program, both our own athletes with disabilities program, which is getting folks out there running, no matter what their disability is, whether they are running in wheelchairs or hand cycles or whatever kind of device they need to compete. And then we have a, a great partnership with Achilles, which is an amazing organization. I'm sure many of your folks know that, you know, they show up and have athletes with guides running in, you know, dozens of our races throughout the year, of course, including the marathon. We also have a race in June every year that is specifically a fundraiser for Achilles. It's called the Achilles Hope and Possibility Race that, that we have in Central Park every year. So we have a great partnership with Achilles, um, an amazing organization. Their CEO, Emily Gasser, is a friend of mine. And uh, we're just super proud to work with them because they they bring a lot to our sport. That's fantastic. It's such a cool part of the race. I love that. Um, you know, I, I raised funds for two of my races this year for organizations like Achilles. Um, so it's definitely near and dear to my heart. Um, something that's always also been at the forefront of the race. Um, and you know, it's probably a you know a, a fun part for fans such as myself to watch is the elite field. <laughs> um, this year, I believe the men's course record went down. Is that right? It sure did. Yeah. We yeah. had a, we had a, an interesting year this year. A lot of folks thought that it would be on the women's side. That's that what we I might thought too. Yes. <laughs> of course record. Yeah. Because the, the, the field was really incredible. stacked. Yes. It really was stacked, but we ended up seeing an incredible, uh, event, you know, I mean, a, a more of a tactical race on the women's side. God, yes. Um, they didn't really push, push hard until kind of the end. But on the men's side, you know, Tamara Tola from Ethiopia just absolutely hammered <laughs> and ended up setting the course record 204.58, which is and, insane. I mean, he did that all by himself. <laughs> there was no one near him for a long time. It actually got a little nerve wracking for us toward the end because the women start quite a bit ahead of the men. And we expect the women to finish first and get their TV moment and right. you know, the flags and the, and yeah. the interviews and all that. And then we expect the, the men's winner to come a, a bit after that. But Tola was going so fast and the women were, you know, running this very yeah. tactical race right. that it, it looked like he may catch them at one point. Um, eventually when oh they kind of hit their, when they, when, they, when it got serious among the yes. women and they started yes. really going fast, that, right, that right. went away, but you know, it was, he ran an incredible race and we were really blown away by, by what he did. It is incredible. It, it's so cool to watch because New York is not one of the fastest of the, you know, courses, you know, of the majors or in the U.S. Uh, historically, but it to run under 205 is incredible. Um, and then, like I said, on the women's side, it was definitely more strategic, but it's been, gosh, it's how many years? 18 years the women's course record stood? It, I don't, it's been a, quite some time that that record has stood. Yes, um, it's something I I don't want to get the number wrong, but yeah, it's it's definitely it's a, around a couple of decades. It's been yeah. out there for a long time. People feel like it should fall soon. Right. You know, Helen O'Beary yeah, had a yeah. ran a great race, by the yes. way. She yeah, she was a sure. tremendous champion for us, but her time was two twenty seven, 
yeah. uh, 23, you know, a yeah. long way off from yes. the women's course record. Right. And so it was, uh, it was just an interesting race and you just never know how a marathon is going to play out. No, you right. never quite know, you know, based on who's in it, yeah, you the choices they make, points. right. Yeah. You know, how right. patient folks are, who decides to make a move, all that. It just takes a while sometimes. And so, yes, it's 2003. I was just looking it up as we we're talking yep. and I think that is it. Yeah. The, the course record was set in 2003. So it's yeah. been 20 years. That's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. Oh my God. Um, where do you find yourself on race day? Where, where are you? So race day this year, I started out, um, I got picked up by, uh, a police escort and New York city police, <laughs> NYPD police escort came to get me at about 4am on the upper West side of Manhattan and drove me down to Staten Island. <laughs> I got down there at yeah, 430 or so. And it was already hopping down there. We had, <laughs> we had, you know, police, we had, staff we had volunteers already up and running getting ready for yeah. runners to start arriving yeah i started doing media interviews at about 5 a.m that's when the local you know news shows start you know yeah. I, yeah. as a journalist i know what it's like <laughs> to be on one of those crazy early morning shows yeah. so yeah. i was i was i was caffeinated ready to go <laughs> did interviews for probably an hour and a half or so and then made my way to the starting line you know spoke at the starting line met the mayor of new york who was there the police wow. commissioner deputy commissioner <laughs> All those folks were there, um, got the runners off. And then as soon as, as soon as the first couple of waves started, I jumped in a police car and, you know, went along the, the race course. It was basically yeah. right after the men's pro field started. So we start okay. the wheelchairs, then the women's pro field, then the men's pro field. And I jumped in a car at that point, took off <laughs> and went along the course for most of the actual course for the first 13 miles. As soon as we came into Manhattan, we take a left turn, cut across to Central Park, so that I'd be at the finish line when the winners came across. And I spent <laughs> most of the rest of the day around the finish line. I did leave at one point to go do an interview with the winners for our podcast uh, at their hotel suite and then to a quick dinner with the pro athletes and then back to the finish line. And the you know our finish line, Aaron, as you may know, is, is an incredibly special experience, not just for the the winners, not just for the runners who run fast times, but we keep that thing open until the well into the night. Yeah. And we are celebrating the runners who are finishing in 10, 11, 12 hours, which is one <laughs> of the things that makes it really special. That's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Central Park is just such an amazing place. Um, you know, one of my favorite race memories, my wife and I went up for, I think the 2002 um midnight run in central park you know you ring off the new year by running is it five miles am, am I, it is a four mile race a four yeah. mile yes like you said mm -hmm. earlier <laughs> because of the way that yeah so yeah. um yeah that was oh man what a what a memory man because you know you count it down to midnight and off you go um such great memories there um it's guys, really fun i'm yeah. getting ready for it i ran it last year i okay. was just in a few weeks as ceo at that point yeah. and it was, it was it's it's just a very unique race right people yes. are showing up for it at 11 o'clock at night yep. we have a huge fireworks show that happens That's alongside awesome. it as well so the clock strikes midnight the race starts <laughs> the fireworks start uh, it's, it's definitely the least competitive race we have. Everybody's just out there having a good time and uh, celebrating and taking videos. And yeah, yep. it's, it's really a special event. It sure is. Um, we were surprised by the non-alcoholic beverages, the, the champagne stopped for non-alcoholic. We were surprised by that, but that, you know, not, not to hold anything against the event, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let's just say 
people sometimes have pre-gamed that that, that <laughs> event. So well, there may not be alcohol served, but I, I will, uh, you know, folks we, definitely um, have had a drink or two, at least some of them. Yeah, <laughs> we um, it, with, uh, with the year we did it, they counted down and the mic went out. Right. And so there was um, there were a few international runners who must not have understood the the numbers that were counting down. And so they thought when the mic went out, it was time to start. But they were only at five. And so they started and the rest of us are kind of looking over to the side. Like, do we go? And then they, <laughs> they might came back on and you got two, one, and then everybody took off. So that had start. So we're, we're running and um, gosh, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the runner's name, but um, he <laughs> he saw these guys celebrating. They had a, you know, an open beverage and they're like, yeah, you know, cheering with their cup. And the guy grabs it and chugs it down. I was like, oh, my gosh, it was, you know, it was, it was it was an impressive feat. So great memories were made there. Um, tremendous events. Um, you know, and we it's talked a lot about, of fun. It is. Yeah. The, um, the half marathon in central park. Um, yeah, I've, I've got to, to go up there and, and run a few of the events, which has just been, I hope people get the opportunity to run up there. Um, let alone New York city. That's, uh, you know, such, <laughs> such amazing events up there. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've got to run the marathon, which is also incredible. Um, what is your favorite event to be a part of? Is it the marathon? I would say as a runner, it's the marathon because yeah. it's such a, it's such an incredible event. Um, I just, I just love it so much. Although this year as CEO, I ran so many races. I discovered a couple that I didn't really know as well. I think the one I discovered this year that I had never run before is the New Balance Bronx 10 miler. Okay. Uh, which takes place in September, and it's an awesome event. It it starts and finishes right in the shadow of Yankee Stadium. Wow! You run along the Grand Concourse. There's an incredible vibe out there. There's nice. music. There's you know just so much happening. It's a really fun race, and there's yeah. a just a big party atmosphere that happens <laughs> afterwards. All the all the bars that you that you see yeah. right near Yankee yeah. Stadium are filled with filled with people who are celebrating after the race there's a oh, great yeah. dominican community and puerto rican community that come out for that race so that is one that i think is up there with my favorite nice. new york races cool. um and then i also i ran the staten island half for the first time which is a beautiful course especially the second half you get some great views of the manhattan skyline and oh, wow. all that it's really convenient too you just take the staten island ferry across and you're cool. you're right there you don't have to to, to you know, cool. get transported like you do yeah. for the marathon. Right. It's all kind of right by the ferry. So oh, I love that race as well. Um, we just have a lot of really fun races for your, for, for the, the women out there who are interested in running a race. We have uh, a 10 K in, in, uh, in June MasterCard mini 10 K, which is a race that has great history. It was the first kind of women's focused road race in the United yeah. States going back to the seventies. And that's a great, 10k course that you know starts on central park west goes into the park um and just is an awesome course as well so we just have a lot of really fun yeah. races yeah i mean just being in the city and and having these races is so cool i mean like we talked about earlier the logistics of it has to be a nightmare but um, <laughs> you know being able to to you know run through these streets without traffic <laughs> that has to be pretty surreal <laughs> yeah the street races are special you know we, we do have a, a lot of races that are just in the park but the ones that close streets down yeah. are really special. And I think if you're going to, if you're going to come out and run, you know, one or two races with us, you know, look for one of those that start, that that's a street race. So you can experience a neighborhood yes. and get that feeling of you're right. Like shutting down New York city yeah. for your run for your is run. pretty special. That is cool. 
Um, you've also just started the set the pace podcast, which we kind of touched on. Um, you're into episode 20. Um, I'm trying to remember it. It was 24. I've lost track to be honest, what number we're on, but yeah, we're definitely up there in the, in the dozens. Now I can look as we're talking, but it's been great. You know, I had this idea and it was actually something I talked about when I was interviewing for the job of CEO of New York Roadrunners. Like how can we find new ways to talk to our running community? And, you know, every runner knows that, you know, you're out there and some runners do like to just run and listen to nothing. It can be kind of meditative. <laughs> I do that sometimes. But, yep. you know, when you're out there training, especially for the long races, especially you're like crazy <laughs> ultra crowd, like you, you do need something. At least I do yeah. to kind of keep your your yourself entertained <laughs> while you're running. And so I am a big fan of having you know, not just music, which I listen to a lot, but some audio content, spoken word, storytelling, things like that. Yeah. And so we started this podcast and it's me and Meb Kofleski. Meb is the, is a, is an, a legend in running. If you don't know him, he won the 2009 uh, New York city marathon. He ran and won the Boston marathon in 2014, which was an incredible event because remember that was the, the race after the, the bombing. Right. Uh, in Boston. And he came back and, you know, Meb was born in Eritrea. His family went to Italy when he was young. And then they found their way to San Diego, California. And he's got an incredible story of being discovered as a young runner, right. you know, kind of like that, that, that story I told UCLA. you. Yeah. Well, he, he, he ran, you know, just locally and then just went straight to becoming a really high profile pro runner, had a great coach and, you know, ended up just being an elite runner, <laughs> and ran in, in the Olympics cool. for the United States, won a bronze medal. Um, his story is incredible. We yes. actually have one of the episodes where I just talked to him about his story um, and his 26 marathons that he ran in his career, a great book that he wrote about 26 marathons and the lesson that he got from each one of them. So yeah, Meb is just legendary and he's much <laughs> beloved yes. in the sport of running. And so, you know, I would really recommend anybody out there to give that a listen, set the pace. It's a lot of fun. Meb and I interview people from kind of all walks of life for whom running is like a big part of their, their lives. And we just have a lot of fun with it. That's really cool. That's really cool. And it's for all people like the episode you just did was a uh, difference between you know, walking and running and what are the benefits of each and, you know, um, things that can help your health and, you know, what's the quickest way to fitness is. So it was, it was nice because you, you talk to, you know, all levels, not just, you know, it's, it's tough when you have an elite on because sometimes you know, they don't connect with, with everyone, but Meb does a great job. He does. He does because of his background. I mean, he's, he's, you know, a, a, an American who, you know, went through this journey, right. With his family yeah. from Eritrea to Italy to Southern California, you mentioned UCLA, you know, one mm -hmm. champion, one national championships there. And so he can relate to running on so many different levels, yep. you know, as an elite yep. competitor, but also just as someone who, you know, loves, loves the sport. And then you've yes. got me who never was, you know, anywhere near his level of running uh, ability, but who is more the everyday runner and who's experienced running as, as something that you do for your mental health and to feel good physically. So we kind of like approach it from a lot of different angles and there's just, you know, what I have found Aaron is that runners are, are special because we all learn something about ourselves when we run. You know, we learn about overcoming pain and obstacles and pushing through difficulty to accomplish whatever our objective is. And 
that is something that so many people take with them to go do other things mm. in life. And so I think, I think runners, maybe I'm biased, but I think runners kind of like over index as being successful people in a lot of different things they do in life because they've developed that grit and that tenacity that you need to run and to yeah. run these kinds of distances, especially. So that's really the goal of that podcast is just to, to weave that, use that common thread of running in talking to people from all kinds of walks of life. We had the, the deputy police commissioner of New York city on one episode. We had Willie Geist, um, the, the, the today show and, and, and NBC uh, host um, on as well. We just have all kinds of people on and we're really just getting started. We're only about three months into it. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. I certainly wish you guys the best in that. That's so cool. Uh, and it's, you know, it's really neat um, hearing Meb too. Um, Cause that guy, he should, he should be recognized for what he's done and, and continue to contribute to our sport because he's done so much and he's written multiple books now. So um, really cool. Uh, super stoked to hear more on that. Um, also want to be cognizant of your time too. Um, but probably one final question here. If, uh, and I, I didn't prep Rob with any questions, so <laughs> yeah, I'm going to spring this one on him, but um, with, with being the CEO, um, if you can leave a legacy behind, what would you like to see done and hopefully um, leave an imparting memory of? Yeah, you know, I want to give people more what I call reasons to run. You know, I, I think that running is something I always joke around about running and how for the vast vast majority of human history, like 99% of all human history, humans ran really for two reasons. Either they were running away from something that was trying to catch them and probably right. eat them, <laughs> or they were running after something, right? Um, maybe to catch and eat, right? So it was like always running out of necessity for most of human history. Sure. Until very, very, very recent times when we started to run to run, right? We started to run for fitness, for whatever, you know, we wanted to get out of running competition, whatever it is. This is a new thing. And I think it's an incredible thing, but it, you know, you need a reason. Something needs to motivate you to start it. You know, maybe it's a family member or a friend or someone who gets you into it. For some, it's, you know, improving their physical health. For many, many people, it's mental health, which I'm a, I'm a huge believer in the connection between, you know, physical activity and mental health, the mind-body connection. I talk about that all the time. That's a big reason to run, right? So I really want to get as many people as possible to see reasons to run and to see running as something that is attainable for them, right? Mm -hmm. You meet people all the time, I'm sure, who say, oh, I'm not a runner, you know, running's not for me. And okay, I get it. It may not be for everyone, but it's for a lot more people than think it's for them. Yes. And if people can just see the building blocks, right? You know what? Go run a half a mile, go three quarters of a mile, go a mile, right? And start to feel the benefit of that. I think you'll create more and more people who see running as a part of their life. And so that's the legacy I want. And, and at Roadrunners, you know, we're in it, we have a great thing going right now because so many people discovered running during the pandemic and they've just kept going. Yeah. So all of our races are sold out all the time, like almost every single race that I've had that we've had since yeah. I've been CEO is sold out, which is a beautiful thing. It's a blessing, but it's also a bit of a curse because we, we, we got people who want to run with us <laughs> and they can't. Yeah. So I'm trying to find more ways through technology, 
through partnerships, to let people run with us, even if they can't run in one of our races, and give them that thing to aspire to so that they, when they find their reason to run, now we can give them a place to run, a race to run, whatever it may be, yeah. and keep them in the sport, you know, from the yeah. youngest ages all the way to adulthood and, and senior adulthood. Um, so that's really it. I just want to create runners and nice. keep people running. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Rob, um, you're amazing. <laughs> I really appreciate your time, dude. How can people connect with you? Well, you can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm at rtsimmel, R-T-S-I-M-M-E-L on Instagram. Pretty easy to find. I'm incredibly Googleable. Um, <laughs> I'm also active on LinkedIn and um, you know, not as much on Twitter. So you can find me there. You can okay. find the Set the Pace podcast, which you know is my baby and I love it. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the places where you guys are. I think you and I are going to put one of our episodes into your feed so folks can check it out there. Yep. And yeah, reach out, follow us. If you're ever in New York and want to run, run a race, go to nyrr.org. I recommend you plan in advance because the races are hard to get into right now, but you can always show up at one of our open runs. Those are always available. You don't need an advance you know, registration to show up at those. You can find the listing of them and where they are at our website, nyr.org. And we hope to see you out there. And, and then lastly, of course, those who want to run the TCS New York City Marathon, that's a big one. Our, 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 the registration for our, our drawing will start um, in February. So that, that's out there for folks. You can go to nyr.org, look for the dates of that, sign up, you know, hope you get lucky. If you don't, you can run with a charity. There are hundreds of those that have bibs available. And if you get an early start on that, that's available for pretty much everyone, including our own charity, which is called Team for Kids. Sweet. Oh, Rob. Thank you again for your time, man. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Love the podcast. Love what you're doing. Uh, to all of your listeners and your runners out there, I have two words. Keep going. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you again, Rob, for coming on and, uh, man, having a great conversation with me. I appreciate it. Uh, this is the day after Christmas, so uh, kudos to you for coming on and, and having an interview with me and talking to me about all the good work of the New York Roadrunners. I really appreciate that conversation. It meant more to me than um, I can really say, uh, having you know kind of grown up around the organization and done a number of their races. So thank you, Rob, for everything. Um, as for me, oh my goodness, um, I started running again um, after pneumonia. Um, training has been um, pretty good until yesterday, Christmas Day. I went out for uh, just a short run with my wife and I had some kind of uh, respiratory episode. Almost felt like an asthma attack if I were to say, you know, I, I don't have asthma, so I can't definitively say it was like an asthma attack, but I couldn't breathe. It was pretty scary. My chest hurt. I felt like I had fluid in my lungs. Um, just a bizarre, bizarre episode. Uh, my wife says, you know, that can happen after pneumonia. Um, you know, the weather, it shouldn't have been an issue. Um, I have run in colder weather since having pneumonia and have not had a problem. I've run harder since having pneumonia and hadn't had a problem. It was just um, a strange, strange episode. And um, <laughs> I record this now and I'm about to go for my first run since yesterday. A um, little bit concerned. Um, may call my wife and just see I have an inhaler for another uh, problem that I have. So I may take the inhaler and just see if it helps. Um, but, um, but yeah, so stay tuned. Um, wild, wild experience. Um, never have I experienced anything like that in my 
my running. Um, it was, um, uh, it was, I mean, it took everything out of my legs. I just felt like it withered me. <laughs> uh, you know, no other way to explain it other than if you've hit the wall, that's kind of what it felt like. I had nothing left in my legs. It just, um, you know, couldn't breathe and then uh, just wiped me out. Just weird, weird experience. Um, I did have a great run the other day with my friend Nathan. We explored uh, a new trail, uh, new to me, um, up in the Mills River Wreck area, um, and took some other trails that you know are off the map. Um, yeah, I don't know who's actively <laughs> building all these trails, but it's incredible. Um, I mean, not that I should be. Um, you know, st- stating it's a good thing uh, that you know somebody is creating their own trails in the national forest, um, but um, I, you know I, I am I am experiencing them and enjoying my experiences on them. So um, I cannot condone the activity, and uh, you know I probably shouldn't run the trails if I was really um, trying to stand by uh, my stance that you know they they shouldn't be doing it, but. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough, tough conundrum. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, it's, uh, you know, be interested to hear your opinions, um, about using, uh, trails that aren't specifically, um, designated as, uh, as national forest service trails. So yeah, let me know what you think. Uh, be interested to hear your opinions. Um, but other than that, um, I am supposed to race, uh, the South mountains half marathon in two weeks, uh, just under two weeks now. Uh, and, um, you know, I, 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 I talked to Nathan the other day. I think we may just go for a run, uh, not try to, to race it. Um, you know, neither of us are really in that kind of shape. Nathan has been sick as well. Um, so I think we'll probably just go run it together and just have a fun time, um, you know, out on the trails together and just enjoy the run. Um, but, um, always so hard, (laughs) always so hard when you show up to a race and and try to just go for a run. So, uh, I think I have the, uh, the, uh, the fortitude to hold back (laughs) and not race it. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's the plan. We'll probably just go run it. Um, and, uh, since, uh, probably the last episode, um, I've put in for two other lotteries, the Cascade Crest 100, um, out in the Pacific Northwest and, uh, the High Lonesome 100 in Colorado, um, very near to the Hard Rock course. Uh, so put in for those two lotteries. We'll see, um, kind of in mid January, what, the what those, what the outcome of those lotteries are. Um, super excited for the opportunity if so granted, but, um, you know, know that I am at the luck of the lottery draw. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the rest of 2024 pans out to be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll keep, keep moving forward, right? That's all we can do. Uh, I want to thank everybody. I hope you had a very, very Merry Christmas. Um, <clears throat> want to wish you a very happy new year. Um, if your plans include, um, you know, some training that you have questions about or want to talk about coaching, please reach out. Happy to have that conversation as always. Uh, my, uh, the ways to reach out to me are in the, um, the show notes. You can reach out through my website, which is runningislife.run. 
uh, you can you know contact me through there. Uh, social media is fine. Strava is great. If you have questions or things you want to hear about in the podcast, use those same avenues. You know, reach out to me. I'm happy to uh, to answer questions here on the podcast. Uh, always glad to hear from you, and hope I can help. So. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to my Patreon supporters. Uh, thanks for everything, guys. And um, I will talk to you in the new year. That's crazy. So episode 202, that's a wrap. And enjoy uh, your New Year's with your friends, family. Be safe. And I'll talk to you next week.